Today's podcast is brought to you by Ryan, a leading global tax service and software provider that helps companies manage and minimize property taxes from acquisition to disposition and all points in between. As the firm with the most local market property tax professionals across the country, Ryan has experience in nearly every jurisdiction, unmatched by any other national, regional, or local provider. Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. David, how are you? I am I'm hanging in there. How are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic. I know that you brought a guest on the show today. Again, you, you've been getting great guests, man. That's what we're you know, trying, trying to get get all different perspectives, different levels of expertise, you know, hopefully people that are you know, very interesting for the audience to hear from. So that's what we, we've done for this week as well. Um, so this week, um, bringing, brought on Brandon Sedloff, who is the SVP of Sales and Managing Director for Juniper Square. So Brandon, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So if you could just start with this, with, you know, for our audience who may not be aware, could you just um, let them know who Juniper Square is and and a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, Juniper Square is a real estate uh, investment management solutions company founded in 2014. Uh, We work primarily with uh, real estate sponsors of all shapes and sizes from groups that are just getting started raising capital on a deal by deal basis up to supporting some of the world's largest institutional investment managers through very complex, you know, open and closed end fund structures. Uh, The company uh, today has about a trillion and a quarter of real estate assets being managed uh, by more than 850 uh, general partners or real estate GPs. Um, And just to give you some perspective in terms of scale, uh, across the the platform, we have about 21,000 investments. And some of those investments are funds. Some of those are single asset SPVs. Um, But it gives a pretty good perspective in terms of the breadth and depth of, of what we're doing. Um, the, the, the business um, is, is, uh, it, it has been growing very quickly, uh, du- you know, approximately doubling every year, um, and we have about 250 people uh, across the company um, who, are, who are supporting our clients, uh, building software, uh, and leading our different go-to-market strategies. Yeah, well, a trillion with a T, right? <laughs> you just, you with, with, with a T, yes, with a T. Wow. So that's, uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of real estate. And I find it very fascinating. You know, I've been covering this industry for, um, over 20 years now, um, which is still, which is surprising to me to actually say it out loud, but to, for 20 years, and this has not always been, you know, I think it's no secret to say this has not been the most forward-looking industry when it comes to technology. So it is very interesting to see, like, I think in the last few years, there has been a much, it seems like a much more rapid acceleration of migrating a lot of processes like, like what you guys do into much more advanced, you know, like kind of bringing stuff up really into the 21st century. So, and it's, it's, it sounds like you're getting a pretty big take up both from newer, you know, smaller folks, but also some large, very large players. Yeah, I, you know, as you think about kind of innovation in in the built environment and in you know real estate capital markets in particular, you're absolutely right. Our industry has been 
um, a bit of a laggard. And, and candidly, that's not surprising. I mean, this is an industry that's been built upon, you know, uh, uh, built on relationships, you know, uh, been built on local industry knowledge and an industry where, you know, people have been able to take advantage of the arbitrage in terms of the 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 kind of the the opacity or the um the the limited uh transparency that exists um and so you know this whole kind of um you know technology movement has been going on for quite a while um i've personally been involved for the better part of the last decade as an advisor and an operator and and now leading the the revenue and go to market for juniper square um and and one of the observations that i have is that Technology is 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 great, um, but the real key is you've got to have technology that meets the market where they are, that solves real problems. And so, you know, when we look across you know private markets and in private equity real estate in particular, the the problem that we observe and the problem that we're helping to solve is the fact that you've got this massive multi-trillion, call it sixteen trillion dollar industry in North America, in terms of private real estate. That's entirely being run on spreadsheets, right. and spreadsheets are awesome as a you know tool for ad hoc analysis. But they they were never designed to be a system of record. And at the same time, you have more and more appetite from investors, from LPs, whether they're retail and high net worth or very large institutions, sovereign wealth funds, public pension plans, who want access to this asset class because real estate's been doing really well, especially private real estate. And with that, you know, with that that need to get more access, they they need they need information, and and they have more power to ask the sponsors that they choose to invest with to help them understand what's going on with their investments. And so, you get this, you come to this this head where you have a a skill and a will uh, intersection, and and you know, our job is to help reduce the friction between the GP and the LP to allow them to exchange the information that's required on both sides. So, so that's where we sit in the ecosystem, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's great to see technology advancing here. And so within that, so one of the reasons, the big reason that I wanted to talk to you as well right now is that you guys, I've seen that you've done research before, but in particular, you did this recent piece of research where you went to a bunch of your um, clients and senior executives in the space and uh, to ask them about their fundraising goals and strategies and performance and churned out some pretty interesting data. So I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through firstly, just like a high level, you know, what were some of the takeaways? Why did you do this research? What are some of the the high level takeaways that you got out of it? Yeah. So um, you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, This past February, um, for the first two weeks of February, we surveyed about 150 senior executives at US-based, you know, real, real estate private equity firms across, you know, all capital strategies and in, in a mix of property types. Uh, we, we did the survey because, you know, we obviously have the the, the benefit of having a, a pretty large and, and um, geographically uh, distributed customer base uh, to, to tap into. And, you know, given all the different changes with COVID, you know, one of the big challenges that's emerged is how do we raise capital in this, you know, distributed, uh, uh, environment where where the ability to meet face to face is is fundamentally different uh, than it was in a pre COVID environment. So um, the 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 kind of the bottom line or the results from the survey is you know it, it largely confirmed what many of us in the industry have observed over the past year um, and 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 it means that more capital is being allocated to the commercial real estate industry that the demand continues um, to to uh, uh, accelerate. And investors are um, expecting more transparency uh, into the investments that they're making than they have historically. 
Um, and so, you know, one of the things that, that we've noticed is that for sponsors that are able to leverage technology, they're able to raise more money faster. So what does that mean from a kind of a data point perspective? Um, let me give you a few, few, few highlights. So number one, uh, the majority of the sponsors that we surveyed told us that they believe capital will be more abundant this year than last year. Uh, which is a which is a great change. Uh, it gives us some kind of uh, positive um, uh, guideposts that you know people are adapting to the new normal post COVID. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we heard is that nearly all respondents, about ninety four percent of everyone we talked to, tell us that they intend to raise money this year. And um, compared to twenty twenty, when most of the capital was being raised from existing investors because you didn't have the opportunity to do business development and meet new investors the same way with COVID. Um, We're seeing a change this year where about 81% of those that we surveyed um, intend to raise capital from new investors in 2021. So those are some interesting trends and and there's a bunch more that we can can unpack. I think the the other kind of macro trend that we saw is that the uh, average check size per investor um, is expected to go up. So, you know, our, our customers are in, in the industry, uh, based on the survey respondents, are telling us that they expect to, to nearly double um, the size of the check that investors are writing in 2021 versus in 2020. I think one of the point data points was the 2020, what was the average capital commitment on the last raise? And the most, it, it, it kind of ran the gamut from less than 50,000 to over 10 million, the, the range that you use. But the most predominant answer was the 150000 to $300,000 range. So what kind of investors are we talking about who are like looking to make those kind of placements? Yeah, we've seen a, a real significant shift um, across our, our base um, to being able to access more retail and, and high net worth investors. You know, real estate, as we talked about, has been kind of the darling asset class for a long time, but it's you know largely been uh, inaccessible by by most people. And you know, one of the benefits, you know, one one of the reasons I should say that it's been inaccessible is because the cost of administering a investor position. Every new investor costs the manager something. There's a, there's a cost associated with needing to raise that capital, run them through the subscription, the marketing process, you know, run them through the subscription process and the onboarding process. You know, be able to report to them on an ongoing basis. Like these these costs. Um, really, really can can grow out of control if if you need to continue to throw bodies at the problem. And so, you know, one of the big shifts that we've seen is that uh, the 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 investors that our, our our customers in the industry are telling us that they're targeting um, tend to be smaller in size but higher in quantity. Mm-hmm. And the enabler there is the fact that technology can reduce the cost of managing each individual investor position. Um, so, so, you know, that's a real key distinction because what that means is that, you know, in, in, in the kind of pre COVID or, or, you know, legacy era, it was largely cost prohibitive to have a hundred managers in a deal or a, uh, sorry, a hundred investors in a deal mm-hmm. or a thousand investors in a deal. But now that's not the case. It's not the case at all. Um, you know, by leveraging and utilizing, uh, technology. So, um, a lot to unpack there, but it's absolutely a trend, uh, that we see. And it- how aware are investors who are you know making who are in that that range who are who have that kind of capital that they want to gear towards commercial real estate? How aware are they of the options out there, like all the different firms or the, all the different funds that, are sitting, that that can that can be placed? Because um, I think traditionally, when you think about a lot of 
wealth advisors or or whatnot they they might want to point people towards REITs or fair or, or maybe more you know or ETFs or mutual funds so where does the process of unlocking all the options and 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 educating people about the world of private real estate how does that how does that all happen yeah, it's a great question. I mean, th th there's a variety of ways in, in channels through which this is happening. You know, there's the the, the kind of you know um, uh, uh, independent broker dealer model. There's the the RIA uh, model, uh, and then there's the the direct to investor model, where you know the the managers are spending uh, a lot more time in identifying and sourcing and building um, relationships with accredited investors mm -hmm. you know one of the one of the big trends that we observed in this recent survey is that you know respondents who have professionals on their team that have uh, the, the role of investor relations have the ability to raise substantially more capital than their counterparts who don't have a dedicated investor relations function mm -hmm. and and to kind of unpack that even further when you think about you know the capital raising process there's really like two primary components the first is how do you identify and vet the investor, um, which is important from a you know from a, a legal and a regulatory perspective to ensure that they're accredited, et cetera. And then the second uh, part of the process is once you've identified the investor, how can you share the prospective investment opportunities with them? And so, you know, one of the things that came out of the survey um, is is you know there, there's this idea of a data room, and a data room is 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 nothing more than a secure way to market and share investment opportunities with with your your investors and it's interesting because the, the survey respondents told us that um, sponsors not using data rooms were 76 percent more likely to rate investor presentations as the most time-consuming part of the fundraise because not only do you have to go out and find these investors but you also need to find time to share the information with them walk them through the information answer questions about it because ultimately you know as as you say these are folks who are um, you know investing their hard-earned capital um, or or investing as a fiduciary with you as a sponsor and they need to make sure that they really understand uh, the investment that they're making so you know again this is another example of where you know the, the capital raise and in, in capital formation process still you know has some some challenges vis-a-vis -vis efficiency but there's real real opportunity for our industry to embrace some of the different solutions, technology solutions like Juniper Square that can help reduce some of the friction, you know, in terms of, you know, acquiring and, and managing the investors that they are able to source. And then how does that, the process of continued communication work? You know, once, so you've gone out, you've acquired the investors and they're now investing with you, you know, you, you did all that, you did all that stuff that you talked about. You, you you presented them with the opportunity. You got them. In, you got them in, in the room. You in the door. You got their capital. Then, how does that relationship continue to um, play out in terms of performing? I mean, reporting performance and just you know making sure that they're happy um, with with what they got. Yeah. So investors are willing to take investment risk. That that's part of the nature of the beast. If you're not willing to take investment risk, um, you probably shouldn't be investing in in in, in real estate or or in all in alts at all. Um, so it's a, it's known that investors are willing to take investment risk, but they're not willing to take operational risk. The expectation is that the operations of running the business are sound. And so um, to answer your question, there's there's two things that happen. Once you secure the investor and you place them into the investment vehicle, uh, as a fiduciary, you have an ongoing obligation to continue to 
um, to, to support and communicate with that investor. So at a very basic kind of minimal, minimal level, that means you need to share kind of requisite tax documentation, legal documentation, et cetera, things like, you know, your, K, your K-1 at the, at the end of the year for taxes. Um, but, but candidly, that, that's not good enough anymore. Um, in the, in the um, kind of er- early era of, of real estate investing, it was a bit of a black box. You know, um, mm-hmm. investors were willing to give managers money, and managers were were um, unlikely to share a lot of details about how the investment was performing on an ongoing basis. And investors would get a check once a quarter, you know, if they were lucky, or once a year. And hopefully, that check was for a lot of money. But they really had no idea what was going on. But if you look at kind of the broader investment landscape and how it's become a lot more consumer centric, you know, look at Charles Schwab or Fidelity, for example, when you log on to your, you know, your, your online brokerage account to, to buy and sell a, a REIT or, or a public security, you have near perfect transparency, you know, what's going on, you know, kind of what the daily marks are, you know, what you could buy it for, you know, what you would sell it for, you have access to all the legal documentation. And so this same trend that we've seen take place in the public markets over the last decade is now taking place in the private markets where your average investor, whether it's a you know, high net worth investor, a sophisticated family office, or a large institution is expecting a lot more from their manager than they used to. And so what that means is two things. Number one, if you're a big enough firm, it means that you need to have a dedicated team of accountants and controllers and investor relations professionals who are available to um, to, to serve and, and answer the questions that your LPs have. But more and more, we're seeing a trend around outsourcing. Um, because you know we mentioned before how uh, investors are not willing to take operational risk and investors want to invest with managers who are great at generating alpha. And the way that you generate alpha and you outperform is you have access to the best deals, you know your markets better than anybody else, uh, and you have the ability to raise capital to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, in my nearly 20 years in the commercial real estate industry, I have yet to hear a CEO come to me and say that, you know, the thing that we're better than anybody else at is accounting. Like it just doesn't, they might have the best accountants and that's awesome. And and, uh, absolutely nothing against any of our friends in accounting. It's a critically important job. Um, But the point here is that what investors are saying is they're saying, we want specialization. We want you to do what you're awesome at. And the thing that sponsors and GPs are awesome at is generating alpha. The thing that they're not as awesome at is outsourcing. And so we're seeing a really big shift towards towards outsourcing some key components of the role, whether it's investor relations, investment accounting. Um, and this is a pretty new trend. And it's a trend that we can kind of look at from other um, you know, other places in the in the alternative space, like hedge funds, which, for example, have mm-hmm. you know probably a near ninety nine percent administration rate, where ninety nine percent of hedge funds use a third party administrator, and so th- this is a business that um, that Juniper Square is in uh, the ability, you know, the the kind of outsourced investor operations, investment accounting business, and the reason that we got into it is because our customers and the market at large told us that they need help with their middle and back office, either to augment and up levels the team that they have, or they need help um, you know, making sure that they can assuage uh, any investor concerns around specialization and focus. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big trend that we're seeing and it's a trend that we expect to continue and accelerate. Interesting, so just to make sure that I'm getting that right, basically you're talking about real estate, you know, traditional real estate, private real estate companies, um, 
look who maybe were just doing all the stuff in house um, now looking at some of this some of these functions and realizing that like it's probably better if we have a third party who's an expert at some of these things handle them and that includes like accounting and some of the other and I guess reporting as well and maybe some of these other tasks. Yeah, that that's that's correct. So you either you know you need a combination of of uh, technology and you need a combination of services. And so the question is, you know, where are you going to you know find both? And and you know, do do you do it in house or do you outsource it? And you know, the big shift that we're seeing is towards towards outsourcing a lot of this work uh, with technology enabled platforms because it's you know it's 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 a two, it's a two part problem. You know, part one of the problem is do you have the right people with the right uh, levels of competence and industry knowledge uh, and depth of experience. And then the second part of the problem is how do you enable those people who are doing the work, whether they're internal or external, to deliver the outcomes of that work, the reports, the statements, the legal docs, the marketing docs over to your LPs, current and perspective, to make sure that they're having what they, they need. So they're actually more kind of interrelated than, than one might think. But you know, the shift is really in terms of the, the, the delivery mechanism. The outcome is the same, getting LPs the information they need because they're increasingly demanding more and more of it. I think there was there was one other point in the report that I thought was interesting. Hold on, just checking that. I think it had to do with the the speed around this fundraising process, and um, folks make me looking to get you know streamline how quickly the, the money's getting in the door, and that and there also maybe being some 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 differentiates between syndicators and and funds so can you talk about that yeah so so i think there's a few things i mean number one um you know if, if you think about juniper square and the and the customer base that we have you you could imagine that we might have a adverse uh, 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 i'm sorry a positive selection bias um meaning you know sponsors who come onto the platform who have uh, information that, um, you know, who have information that they, they want to share with their investors typically have a pretty good story or they're more willing to be kind of transparent. So a lot of times, you know, investors are actually uh, realizing that, hey, you know, I've made two or three passive investments or I'm a large institution. Let me underwrite the, the middle and back office and the different uh, technology stack to make sure that, you know, I know that there's some transparency. So actually utilizing technology is becoming a, a fairly significant um, marketing advantage and a significant dif um, differentiator for, for GPs um, raising private capital. One thing that we observed in the data was that um, customers of Juniper Square, so our clients raise capital from existing investors 28% faster than non-Juniper Square customers. And specifically, uh, when it comes to funds, Juniper Square clients raise funds uh, two and a quarter times faster from existing individual investors and 26% faster from existing ind institutional investors. Um, and, 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 and that trend persists. It's not just about the rate at which um, you know, folks using Juniper Square and using technology can raise capital, uh, which shouldn't be understated. That is, that's a massive, massive step function change. But Juniper Square clients also expect higher follow-on or re-up investment rates. So we have a 14% um, higher follow-on investment rate uh, than non-customers. So for, for Juniper Square customers, it's 65% uh, expect or, or have a follow-on or reinvestment re-up rate versus 51% for, for non-customers or folks who aren't utilizing uh, technology. So, you know, th this is all to, to highlight the importance of um, transparency and the importance of 
uh, being foot forward and sharing information with your investors because ultimately, you know, we all know that you know things can go really well and things can go terribly sideways. I don't think anybody expected a global pandemic to shut down the economy for for many many months and, and likely many many years uh, to come. But what's really critical is that anytime you're faced with a challenge or an opportunity, you need to have the mechanism to be able to communicate your successes and your challenges with your stakeholders. And so regardless if it's a good story or a bad story, the number one thing that we hear time and time again is the ability to communicate performance, the ability to share and be transparent with your investors is a key differentiator. Because if you can't, your competitors will. And at the end of the day, we know, we heard um, some of the statistics about you know how many you know ninety four percent of respondents intend to fundraise this year. We know that there is a lot of competition out there, and so you know it's really really critical for real estate GPs to think about how they can differentiate themselves from their competitive set when they are going out to the market to fundraise this coming year. Yeah, so I mean, it makes a lot of sense to think that you know if you're an investor. And yeah, you're and you're making not a uh, inconsequential play <laughs> in you know one of these one of these uh, situations. Uh, if you're you know in going for a specific asset or a fund, if maybe aware that there's risk and like you may be aware of okay, the world has just been turned upside down, so I don't know what's going to happen. You at least don't want to be in the dark, you know. You like you want to you want to have as much information from as it's coming in from the person who's managing your money as you can. And I mean, certainly this year for real estate was not like anything anybody, any of us had ever experienced before. And it had all these um, even sections to it. Like, you know, the first phase where just like nobody knew, everything was shut down. Nobody knew, um, could really make any heads or tails of how we were going to be affected. Then we kind of had the second phase where, you know, there were some, some distinguishing between okay which sect which kinds of property types were more or less affected by social distancing and about by the ways that we were living our lives and there were clear some emergence of winners and losers and now we're kind of in this phase of of um you know moving to the post pandemic we're moving into vaccinations and then seeing like oh maybe you know maybe not like hotel and retail may be interesting again you know whereas they looked kind of risky you know super risky when they're obviously shut down and office has got still some question marks because we don't know how fast we're going to go back to it. So like as the GP being able to make sense of all this, depending on what property type you have and communicate all that to the investor seems like a pretty important thing. And especially a way for people to, to continue to build some goodwill or, you know, with their stakeholders, you know, and, and, and then be able to kind of build off of that, that partner. You know, if you did well during this period, even if you didn't deliver returns, at least you, guided people through this and maybe now are in a position to deliver returns, that's going to be good for the long term in terms of re-winning business. That's absolutely right. I mean, I think the the, the future is largely a known unknown. And, and you know, what we've seen over, um, you know, the last several decades of, of private real estate investing is that, um, you know, great operators, great sponsors with really deep knowledge in the asset classes and the sub-markets that they operate in are going to going to find a way to to persist in a way to thrive in a way to outperform their peers. And so, you know, when you think about, you know, the importance of 
um, your reputation and your track record, you know, it, it is, it is um, the, the, you know, for those sponsors who have an exceptional track record, this is their secret weapon. This is, this is the thing that they need to get in front of perspective and current LPs and they need to be able to demonstrate they need to be able to show that they have a uh, a consistent track record of outperforming and and that we saw we saw signs of the importance of that in our survey results you know more than 80% of the respondents told us that referrals will be their top strategy in 2021 to find new investors and like anything else you know same for our software business same for you know finding new investors you know, a referral is so much more valuable than a cold, you know, a cold call or trying to build a new relationship with an institutional investor from scratch. And so, you know, the, the point, the point here for, for sponsors and, and prospective sponsors to note is that if you've been investing for the last decade, whether you're doing deal by deal or funds, whether you consider yourself to be a professional investor or not, you have a track record and you need to have a way to get the information, the data, your performance into a format where you can easily share it with people who are interested to learn more about what you're doing, including your investors who have already committed to investing with you. So um, th this, is, this is one of the great uh, ways that technology can enable and accelerate the transformation in our business and help you know, sponsors and their investors reduce the amount of time that it takes to raise capital, reduce the cost of raising capital, because it can be very costly for folks to find one another and to facilitate um, that exchange of information and reporting at the at the position level. So, you know, th this is this is what we talked about early on, where, you know, what is the problem that technology is trying to solve? Well, we need to be able to meet the market where the market is. We need to be able to create the pipes, create the infrastructure that's going to support this transformation as more and more folks want to invest in private real estate. And as private real estate becomes more accessible um, with those two trends that we're seeing, it means that the competition, if you're a GP, is far more significant and you need to be positioning yourself to be able to outperform your peers and at least meet the market where the market is with basic levels of information, like ways to share information around the performance of investments that you have, ways to demonstrate your track record and consistent and frequent communication with your LPs. Well, one last question is just where can folks see this report? Yeah. If you go to our website, uh, www.junipersquare.com, uh, click on the section called blog and we have a blog post. Um, there's an ability to download the report right from the blog. So please feel free to do that. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments, I would encourage folks to uh, connect with me. The best way to reach me uh, is via LinkedIn uh, and uh, that's linkedin.com. Uh, forward slash B Sedloff, B S is in Sam, E D is in David, L O F F as in Frank Frank, Brandon Sedloff. Uh, I am very happy to connect with folks on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you'd like to see um, the Juniper Square product, please feel free to uh, to reach out to our team. Sales at junipersquare.com will get you uh, connected with the right person. Brandon, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to walk us through this. And I, I know I, you know, this is stuff that I was really interested to hear your insights on. So I, I appreciate you um, taking me through all that. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. And I hope that uh, you and your listeners find it useful.
Guys, this is great. David, thank you so much for bringing me on as a guest. I love podcasts that have some good news around them, and, and I heard a lot of good news on this one. So thank you for that. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at WMRE, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Today's podcast was brought to you by Ryan, liberating our clients from the burden of being overtaxed, freeing their capital to invest, grow, and thrive.